The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this gorgeous Wednesday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area, November 9th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well as we are midway through the week. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. We've got a lot to talk about today. The college football playoff rankings were released last night the second one of the year we'll talk about that and uh, give our reactions to what took place last night the top four teams who's on the outside looking in as of this moment in the college football playoff rankings we'll talk about that at 2 30 we'll talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 get his thoughts on the Georgia Bulldogs after they had an impressive win over the weekend and they are now the number one team in the country we'll talk to him about that at 2 30 and then in the second hour lots of all Auburn football talk. Where are we at with the Auburn head coaching search? There's been lots of reports, rumors, uh, lots of names flying around over the past couple of days. We'll get into all of that in hour number two. Phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you on this Wednesday afternoon. 334-321-1390. Carter, happy Wednesday, man. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm it's, it was late night last night, just kind of taking in everything that was going on. I fell asleep on my couch and woke up this morning. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, yeah, hey, I'm I'm ready. To, I'm ready to go here, man. Hey, I am. I am very guilty of falling asleep on the couch or just flat out sleeping on the couch at least one or two nights a week. So I don't know how healthy that is for your I body. Don't, I but don't do that very often, if at all. See, but. I love it. I love sleeping on the couch, falling asleep to the TV because I don't have a TV in my room on purpose I just don't have one in there I didn't grow up with one having a TV in my room and so I really haven't had one even when I was in college I didn't have a TV in there so I do I'll sleep on the couch and fall asleep to the TV at least one night a week I mean I have a TV in my room but I don't really use it yeah often if I'm in my room I like watch YouTube and stuff like that before I go to bed it's not healthy but I do it anyway but look man hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday again phone lines are open 334-321-1390 let's get into the college football playoff rankings that were released last night of course Tennessee was the number one team in the country until the number one team in the country beat them on Saturday. Georgia is number one at 9-0. and Ohio State at number two. Michigan at number three. Everybody expected that to be the top three. Uh, that's pretty pretty standard that's pretty spot on uh with what college football looks like right now georgia one ohio state two michigan three this is where we didn't know what was going to happen was it going to be tcu at the four spot sliding in there or was tennessee going to be able to hold on and keep that four slot well it's tcu at nine and oh they're undefeated so far in conference play they're undefeated on the season they take over that number four spot 
Tennessee right behind them at number five. Oregon at number six. LSU comes up to seven after their win over Alabama. USC is at eight. Alabama at nine. And Clemson 10. I'll say the top 15 here. Ole Miss at 11. UCLA at 12. Utah at 13. Penn State 14. And North Carolina 15. That's your top 15 in the second college football playoff rankings of 2022. Carter, your initial reactions to the rankings from last night. I don't I don't have a big issue at all with putting TCU four and Tennessee uh five just because okay, you're you're setting a standard that at this point if you're undefeated you deserve to be at the top. Uh Tennessee, I feel like they're pretty interchangeable there. What I do think it does is it creates a scenario where if TCU loses this weekend and then goes on to win the Big Twelve where does how does it stack up between the potential of a 12 and 1 Pac-12 champion Oregon and 11 and 1 non-division winner Tennessee that we are think is really really good and then a 12 and 1 Big 12 champion TCU how does it shake out there I don't know uh and I think that I mean plenty of stuff could take place between now and then to kind of change how we look at that I mean, Oregon's got some tough games here. These final three games for them are, are hard. TCU's got a couple tough matchups. Both of them, theoretically, would have to play in a conference championship game and win again. Uh, I think Tennessee's going to cruise to 11-1 and one pretty easily. 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 Uh, but I, but I, I think that there's some, some interesting scenarios that can play out. Uh, Alabama at 9, that's going to be awfully hard to climb over the uh, masses and get into a fourth spot so I'm not I'm not shocked by that I am proud that the college football playoff committee dropped Clemson to 10 that is the right move if anything they should fall behind Ole Miss and UCLA because those teams are better than Clemson is and I will stand by that 100% and the one I keep coming back to is what are we doing with UNC what are, like their loss is to Notre Dame. They're winning in their conference. They're undefeated in ACC play. They should be ahead of what I think is a middling Penn State team and what I think is a good Utah team that has just played a very difficult schedule. But to put them at 15 behind two behind four two loss teams feels excessive to me. Yeah, when I look at the college football playoff rankings that were released last night, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. 334-321-1390. Obviously, the 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 question was going to be again the four and five slot was it going to be TCU Tennessee or was it going to be Tennessee TCU? We see that it's TCU and Tennessee, and I think it's the right call because TCU is undefeated. They have not lost yet. Now. We both agree that a loss is probably coming just with the way they've been playing and the situations that they've been winning football games. They very well may win out, right, and go undefeated. And Tennessee is still a really good team. They got shut down against Georgia, but they're still a really good team. And they are going to cruise through the rest of their schedule uh, and finish with one loss. Now, unfortunately for them, yes, they beat Alabama, but they lost to Georgia. And When it comes to the SEC and when it comes to college football playoff, if you have your choice, Tennessee would rather have beaten Georgia than Alabama because then you get to the SEC championship game. 
but maybe not with how Alabama did it a few years ago, well, right? Maybe Tennessee can slide in the playoff without having to play in Atlanta at all. You also have to keep in mind that they won the the rivalry game against Alabama, which they haven't done in forever. Right. I, I don't think Tennessee's Tennessee would would switch those games around if they had a choice right now when it comes to the opponent that you get the chance to beat sure but I think with the playoff implications you would rather beat Georgia than Alabama now it is worth noting the Alabama win has a little shine has been knocked off it by Tennessee doing what they did or by LSU doing what they did this past week and beating Alabama as well right this is not a powerhouse juggernaut Alabama that we are used to. This is a team that, when you add up all the parts, is not to the standard that we've become accustomed to. Well, they're beatable, and I think that's what we have found out. We've been talking about it. We've seen the trends. It started against Texas. We we saw it against Texas. Alabama is a beatable team and they have been beaten and so yes it's a big win to beat them but like you said with them having two losses now that win for Tennessee is not worth as much it still carries a lot of weight but it's not worth as much when you look at the top six seven because I think those are really the top eight who still have a chance to make it in plus an outside shot of Ole Miss plus an outside shot of UCLA you look down the stretch I'm not even I think Ole Miss has every bit as good of a shot as some of these one-loss teams ahead of them. Right, I mean, which is why I and included 11 them. And one And 11-1 Ole Miss, I mean, I think there's a decent chance that LSU could lose a game down the stretch. They're only a three-point favorite this weekend against Arkansas. And if Ole Miss takes care of business against Alabama, I mean, then they're right there. If, if they beat Alabama, they will vault probably inside USC and be in that eight spot maybe uh, in the conversation to move even higher, depending on what happens with LSU, what happens with Oregon, all these teams ahead of them that do have TCU even. Right. Challenging matchups. And Oregon is sort of the team I want to talk about because looking at the teams that still have a shot to make the college football playoff, I think Oregon has the toughest finishing stretch combined, right? Because, sure, some teams have to play – uh, you know, you look at you look at Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, they have to play each other. Tennessee's stretch is super, super easy. Uh, LSU has a, a slightly tough stretch. But I think Oregon and TCU plays Texas this weekend, which is a tough game. But I think Oregon has the toughest stretch to end the season. They play Washington this weekend, a top 25 Washington team, by the way. You also play Utah, a top 15 Utah team. And then you play Oregon State, who's not ranked, but they were just last week. So, that's a tough stretch for Oregon to try to finish this thing out. And if they lose any of those games, they're out because of the Pac-12 and what it is. And so, and not just because of what the Pac-12 is, but because who's also still in the Pac-12, USC and UCLA. So Oregon has a tough stretch and a tough road. If they win out, I think they're going to be in given the circumstances. But looking at all of those teams, they have the toughest stretch to end the season without a doubt. I think an Oregon, a 12 and 1 Pac 12 champion, Oregon, has a week one loss with a new quarterback, a new OC, a new head coach, so many new parts flying across the country, playing an essential home game for Georgia and getting smoked in that. You can chalk that up to week one. I mean, they've won, they would have won 12 straight games since then. I have a hard time seeing them not get in with a win over that UCLA team. 
yes, with 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 a win over that UCLA team and potentially could have a win over USC in a Pac-12 championship game. You could have a scenario where they beat all the big names. And the Pac-12 is stronger than it's been the last several years this year. No doubt. You've got Washington at 25. You've got Utah at 13. UCLA at 12. USC at 8. And Oregon at 6. They have not been that strong in a long, long time. I think you can make the argument they're the third best Power 5 conference right now. When you look at behind the SEC and the Big Ten. Is the but ten that strong this year? Well, let's have I guess, that. Yeah. Let's have that discussion. I, I guess that's a fair way to put it. If because you're the looking Big Ten at, West is yeah. awful. If you're looking at the conferences, you could make you could really make the argument they're the second best Power you, Five. Conference. If you want my opinion on the Big Ten this year, there are two that's a good yeah, that's a good daggum good teams. Uh, two juggernauts. Everybody else is kind of meh. Like right, Penn State's pretty good. Illinois is pretty good, and that's it. And that's and that's really it. And when you look at the fact that like week to week there's no consistency. I mean, a Michigan State team that has not been competitive against anybody they've they've played uh, at a, or against Ohio State or Michigan, they went and beat the best team in the West. Right. And so and I, I think, think that I think the Big Ten's weak yeah, this year. You're right. You're you're absolutely right. If you want to talk just top to bottom strength of a conference. Pac-12 may be number two because of what well, they're doing this year. Big 12 is is a deep conference this year, too. Mm-hmm. And that would be really interesting to put the Pac-12 and the Big 12 against each other, top to bottom, line I them think, up. I think that the Pac-12 is a little more top-heavy, and they're, 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 the cream of the crop in the Pac-12 is better than the cream of the crop in the Big 12. But I think when you get down the list, the Big 12 is deeper and I think both of those conferences, yes, Ohio State and Michigan would drum anybody in those other two conferences. But past that, if you stack them up, one through twelve or one through however many we have in conferences anymore, depending on where you, where you're you're looking, those other two conferences are deeper in my mind. I mean, I feel more, I feel confident in UCLA and Utah's ability against Illinois and Penn State. And I feel fine again with those two teams going against whoever's third and fourth in the in the Big 12. I mean, it's an interesting year. The SEC is still the class. It still is. Because you've got Georgia, you've got Alabama, you've got LSU, you've got Ole Miss. You've got all those teams at the top. The L- and even the SEC's beaten up on itself this year. Mm-hmm. But... I guess I didn't include Tennessee, did I? I skipped them, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, I thought you did. Okay. Well, yeah. We'll throw Georgia, them in there Tennessee, too. Alabama. I, th- I thought <laughs> LSU, you had said Tennessee. But what's interesting about this conversation is when you look at the Big Ten and you were literally changing, I changed my mind talking about the Big Ten because as a conference, it's not that strong. Of course, they Ohio State and two Michigan are great. Really good national championship caliber teams. And then the rest of the conference is bad. Which is why 
that game that comes down to what the Big Ten is, Ohio State and Michigan, that is a college football playoff elimination game. The winner is in, the loser is out because of what the Big Ten is. Because the rest of your wins, in my opinion, don't really mean a whole lot because that is the one game in the Big Ten this year that Ohio State and Michigan, you have to win to prove that you are the best of the best. Because the rest of your wins, they don't look that great. Penn State, yeah, it's a decent win. But that's it. I mean, there is nothing in the Big Ten that says, yep, that is a good signature college football playoff nominating win, in my opinion. And so that is why the Ohio State-Michigan game will be so big. That is a college football playoff elimination game. Winner is in, in my opinion, and the loser is out. If you look at the AP poll, because all of these teams in the Big Ten that are ranked are still ranked in the AP poll as well, there is not a Big Ten team by my first glance at it, that is receiving votes. If you go to the coaches poll, that the the receiving votes group is a lot bigger. And you gotta go to fifth to last on that list when Minnesota gets four votes for the top twenty five. That's it. Right. Four four points. That's it. And and that should paint the picture of how weak the Big Ten is. The SEC's got daggum five teams in the top 11. Exactly. I mean, you have Illinois and Penn State, and that's it outside of Ohio State and Michigan. So I just don't see where when the college football playoff committee sits down to look at the final rankings and who's going to be in and who's going to be out, when you look at either Ohio State or Michigan with that one loss to the other one, you've got to go on the schedule and say, okay, they lost this game, but what are some of those games that they won that de- that makes them deserving of a college football playoff spot? I just don't know if they're going to be able to find them, and especially with Michigan's non-con schedule, which has come up a lot, which was horrendous. I just don't know I, where you're going to find them. I will side with you there, absolutely, with the fact that Michigan did not go out and test itself at all. If they are to lose to Ohio State, I think they're out. I do too, and I think there's a granted, better chance of. Granted, if, they do get Illinois, and Ohio State is not does not have to play them. That's so, fair. So they would have the extra ranked win, but Ohio State, you can only play the teams on your schedule, and they went out and scheduled Notre Dame and won that game. They did, they did, and they won that game. I think they're in the situation of the Ohio State Michigan game. There's a better chance for Ohio State to make the college football playoff if they lose rather than Michigan making the college football playoff if they lose. Does that make sense? Like, yes. I think, you know what I'm saying? I think Ohio State's resume is a little bit better than Absolutely. Michigan's, so they Absolutely. would have a better chance to make it if they lost. But I don't think that's the case. I think whoever loses that game is out unless, well, no, I still think they're out because then if the the winner of that game goes to the conference championship game and loses for some reason, I don't think that would keep them out unless a couple of SEC teams or a couple of Pac-12 teams jumped up and played really well but I think whoever wins the game is going to win the, the Big Ten championship because of how weak the other and side I, is I, I I think when you look at Ohio State's resume and then the fact that they they have not played a game a single score game all year long they, they're like the closest game that they have played is an 11 point win over Notre Dame in week one and then after that it's a 14 point win over Northwestern this past weekend in a sideways rainstorm with 40 mile hour wind right and that Notre Dame wind looks better and better every week exactly and 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 the fact that they are head and shoulders dominating their schedule if they do that to to or if they do that to everybody else and then 
lose by three to Michigan or something or by one or something, you've got a good case to get Ohio State in as well. I I feel unless I think so, but if there's four other conference champions that get in, or there may not even be that, but. I don't know. I just think it's going to be really tough. we got to get to a break. We're going to talk more about this when we come back. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. What are your uh, initial takeaways from last night's college football playoff rankings? We'd love to hear from you again. 334-321-1390. More of On the Line when we come back. You are On the Line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Open Like a Sports Leader. Continuing to talk about the college football playoff rankings that were released last night, the second rankings of the year. What are your thoughts on it? What We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. It kind of gets into our question of the day the biggest surprise of the college football playoff rankings from last night uh 334-321-1390 my biggest surprise is sort of just uh when you look up and down this and Carter you and I sort of talked about this a little bit it's Ole Miss being number 11 at eight and one because you've got a Clemson team that's above them uh, that hasn't really done a whole lot this year you've got a two loss Alabama team which you get it that's fine USC up there and then of course you get into the the good teams but I think Ole Miss is deserving of at least the top 10 ranking and also when you look at UCLA they're right there at 12 with only one loss too I expected them to be maybe a little bit higher not a whole lot but I did expect them to be maybe a little bit higher yeah, I, I, I think that they're legitimately a better team than, than Clemson. If we roll the ball out there and it had Ole Miss and Clemson play each other, Clemson cannot score with Ole Miss. Ole Miss would put up 35 points plus on that Clemson defense, and as bad as Ole Miss's defense is, I'm not sure Clemson gets to that number. And And, I mean, honestly... I I think that it's it's there should be a scenario where Alabama going into this game this weekend should be behind Ole Miss, in my opinion. Two loss Alabama should be ranked behind Ole Miss. I mean, they're two good losses though, right? It's I mean, two good losses, but I mean, one of them, one of the the losses, they have the the same loss. I mean, I mean. We haven't. We're not going to see Ole Miss versus Tennessee, barring disaster for Georgia. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but this scenario, I although I mean, Georgia does have Mississippi State and Kentucky these next two weeks. Watch I'm out! Kidding. I'm kidding, Watch. man. And speaking of that, just to go on a side note. Going into this year, man, I talked about that Georgia-Kentucky game, how that was going to be the game to decide the SEC East. I'm so disappointed that we don't get that opportunity, not because Tennessee is good, but because of what Kentucky has gone through this year with Will Levis. Kentucky's just an awful offense. Yeah, they They are. They can't score. Will Levis is not that good, which is why Mel Kuyper looks like an idiot putting him in number six in his mock draft. It's really disappointing that Kentucky is not what we wanted them to be. I still think he's number six in the mock draft. Really? And I don't know why, because he's just not that good. But but he's 
He's been banged up. That's that's the cause of one of their one of their their losses as well. I do think that's probably why you see Kentucky at twenty four mm-hmm. in the, in these rankings. Uh, they're giving it seems like they're giving them a little bit of forgiveness for the fact that they did lose to a South Carolina team with a backup quarterback. Uh, I still think that Kentucky team is better than FSU. FSU being in the top twenty five is annoying. Uh, is that your biggest surprise of this top 25? No, my, my my biggest surprise is UNC being at 15. That's too low. That's too low for a team that their only losses to what? Notre Dame? Which again, looks better and better every single exactly. week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. How about uh, how about Notre Dame is, I think, is 4-1 versus top 25 teams this year? After their abysmal start. Yeah. I mean, just a, a horrible start. I, they, I think the only loss... I believe I'm going to double check this. It's to Ohio. The only against a top 25 team, the only loss is to number two Ohio State. Now they have a loss to Marshall and Stanford <laughs> somehow. Yeah, but Stanford they, the they, worst they team in the Pac-12. They beat BYU. They beat Syracuse. They beat Clemson. They killed Clemson and they killed Syracuse. And they get USC at the end of the year. They can make that Just interesting. Have that one circled. Yeah, they could make it interesting down the stretch, especially for the Pac-12, who has Oregon, USC, and UCLA fighting to get a playoff spot for the Pac-12. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But second playoff rankings have been revealed. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. That is your top four. Tennessee, five. Oregon, six. LSU, seven. USC, eight. Alabama, nine. And Clemson at ten. We're going to talk to the reporter who covers the number one team in the country, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. We will get him on the phone and talk to him when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcoming in our usual Wednesday guest, it is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He covers the Georgia Bulldogs over in Athens. Jordan, you are now covering the number one team in the country yet again after their big win over the weekend uh, in what turned out to be not as entertaining as we thought it was going to be. Georgia defeats Tennessee in dominating fashion, man. What was your uh, takeaways from the game on Saturday? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny looking at the game a few days later because you look at it and say, Georgia really only won that game by two touchdowns. But it was a a factor of the rain coming in and Georgia just kind of squeezing the life out of Tennessee in that second half. I mean, they had a drive that wound up going for, I think, something like eight minutes and 50 seconds that really – uh, kind of melted away some valuable time for uh, Tennessee if they were going to try to come back. But, yeah, I mean, just about, you know, as good of a performance as you could have wanted if you're on the Georgia side. I mean, the fact they were able to score points to really limit Hendon Hooker. I mean, he was really never a factor in that game. And uh, when he threw the second-quarter interception to Keeley Ringo, obviously there's still a lot of time left. There's probably three or four minutes left in the, in the first half alone. But when Keeley makes an interception in the end zone, you just sort of had a feeling that it wasn't going to be Tennessee's day. And, you know, I thought uh, Stetson Bennett had one of his better games as far as throwing downfield. Um, the first play of Georgia's second drive, he throws a 51-yard 
uh, pass to Arian Smith, and that kind of gets Georgia going. And uh, that was one of many. I mean, he had Lab McConkey, he had Kenny McIntosh. Um, overall, um, a really imp- impressive performance by Georgia, who what uh, was definitely aided by their fans. I mean, they were loud the entire game. Um, that was the loudest I've ever heard Sanford Stadium, and I talked to some of the older riders around me who agreed. Um, it was definitely a game that I thought lived up to the hype as far as um, you know the potential for Georgia and what the Bulldogs could do in a big home game. Jordan, yeah. I mean, a, a lot was made going into the game about how you know Georgia – maybe didn't get as much shine as some other places around the SEC, like the Swamp, like the 12th Man, like Death Valley. Jordan Hare, I mean, even even Bryant Denny as maybe at their peak being the loudest stadium by any stretch. I mean, but a game like this, Georgia, it just hasn't felt like Georgia's had very many really huge home games. How much of an impact do you think that crowd had? And then how much... Uh, Respect, do you think Sanford Stadium gained for itself around the the, the SEC? Because they had Tennessee committing a bunch of false starts, and they were struggling with the crowd noise. I'll have to go ahead and guarantee you, Eric Ainge is probably going to get off uh, Twitter at least for the next couple weeks because uh, he gave them <laughs> a little bulletin board uh, material uh, talking about the noise. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Kirby talked about this after the win that you know the way Sanford Stadium is built and and most. Uh, Notably, they've got one side of the end zone that is open. You know, it's not really conducive to noise like somewhere like the Swamp or even Jordan Hare. Um, but, you know, I thought it was one of the louder stadiums that I've ever seen uh, to me. And again, I've never been to the Swamp because Georgia always plays sport in Jacksonville. But for me, the only game I could think of that rivaled the noise, and I still think I would probably give the edge to this game, it was uh, the 2017 Iron Bowl. Uh, in Auburn when Auburn wound up uh, beating Alabama to go to the SEC championship. But, I mean, it was right up there. And uh, the crowd was huge in Tennessee not being able to move the ball because Tennessee wound up 2 of 14 on third downs. And a lot of those situations were third mediums or even third longs. And a lot of those were attributed to false starts early in the drive. Mm -hmm. I mean, the offensive linemen, especially with Tennessee having a pretty experienced offensive line, they really struggle with the noise. And, um, you know, it was like once a couple of those happened, you know, that only encouraged the crowd to get louder. And, uh, I mean, they stayed loud. I, I thought that even as that game went on and even when it was very clear that, you know, Georgia was going to win this game, um, they really didn't let up and didn't let the weather affect them. That was something Kirby talked about, seeing so many Georgia fans stay in the stadium even you know, once the game was decided and, and once uh, that rain had rolled in, um, they didn't let up, and I thought that you could definitely tell uh, it impacted Tennessee. Jordan, you were talking about Eric Ainge on Twitter. I, I pulled up his Twitter just to see what, what was going on, and it looks like he's using uh, his powers of motivating other fan bases to be very loud and create raucous home environments to motivate Texas to beat TCU th- this weekend and give T- uh, Tennessee some help. Yeah, I mean, you know, he seems to be a guru in that. And, I mean, you know, I, I can understand. You know, he played at Tennessee. He's going to try to get his guys fired up. But, uh, yeah, he might he might DM Elon and see if uh, if uh, he can just go ahead and take him off the bird app because uh, I don't think it's been too kind to him the last week or so. 
Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joining us here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Looking around college football with the impacts of over the weekend, of course, the college football playoff rankings came out last night. Georgia is again the number one team in the country with Ohio State at two, Michigan three, TCU four, and then Tennessee outside at five. Of course, LSU seven, Alabama nine, Ole Miss at 11. Looking at some of the SEC teams, your reactions to the the second college football playoff rankings released last night well I gotta say I was a little surprised Tennessee was outside the top four I mean obviously that (laughs) is a a loss but um, you know that they just came off of but um, you know I I still think that they're sitting pretty in the fact that there's games to be played and TCU I think has some very losable games starting with that game you guys just mentioned them playing Texas Um, other than that you know I think we're in a situation with what's left of the season uh, plenty of opportunities for these kind of musical chairs to be moved around. You know, I think uh, one of Ohio State and Michigan, whoever wins that game, is probably making it in the playoff. And I would imagine whoever loses probably won't. Um, but, yeah, I'd say the biggest surprise to me was Tennessee not being in that top four. But, again, you know, we've still got a, a good amount of time to go. And I do think some of these top teams that are left, somebody's going to be dealt uh, a loss. And, you know, perhaps a few of these teams are going to be dealing with a loss by the time we get to actually setting the playoff schedule. Jordan, let's let's talk about Stetson Bennett with the performance that he had on Saturday and the the way he's played all year long. It maybe hasn't been the flashiest, most in your face numbers, but uh, is he going to start getting some buzz here about an invite to New York for the Heisman ceremony? I wouldn't be shocked, and I actually kind of talked about this on our podcast earlier this week. You know, I think ultimately he's not going to win it. He doesn't have quite the numbers of some of the, even just some of the other quarterbacks. I mean, he's got 11 passing touchdowns, and part of that was due to a three-game stretch when he was admittedly a little banged up that he didn't throw a single touchdown. Um, but, you know, you compare that to a guy like C.J. Stroud, who right now has got 29 touchdowns, but you know, frankly, it is no comparison. But uh, as I kind of talked about earlier this week, the thing that Stetson does have that's helping him is narrative. I mean, there's nobody in college football that's got a better story than the former walk-on who, you know, leaves Georgia, comes back with a scholarship, winds up, um, you know, coming up and, and playing, getting hurt, getting replaced. Other guy gets hurt, he comes back, leads the team to a national title. Um, there's just not a story quite like that. Now, for it to happen, for him – to even get an invite to New York, I think these next three games, he's really going to have to put on some very impressive performances through the air, which I don't think is out of the question. Uh, but he's going to have to really string together three good games in the regular season, and then when they most likely play LSU in the SEC title game, it'll probably have to be much of the same. So, you know, I think ultimately he won't win the Heisman, but if he, you know, finishes the, these pat, these next few games strong, um, I don't think it's out of the question he could get uh, an invite to New York. And, and as we say, you know, with this award, it, it's sort of the storylines and, and what the sports writers are drawn to. And just given his background, you, I don't think you can say it's crazy that Stetson could get in the mix. Well, look, Jordan, Stetson Bennett can't help that there's a player out in on the West Coast that has a three-letter last name that is putting himself in the Heisman Trophy conversation right now either. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm hearing reports that he's focused and having fun out there. I don't know <laughs> if you guys can say anything to that. 
I don't know. I, we don't really know a whole lot about the guy. He seems to just kind of come on the college football <laughs> scene. Uh, but talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 about the Georgia Bulldogs, looking ahead to this weekend, they have Mississippi State on the road, uh, a Mississippi State team that has sort of slowed down a little bit, not impressed as much. Yeah, not year. impressed as much down the stretch. Obviously, Auburn last weekend had every opportunity to to win that football game, just came up a little bit short. What's the mindset, the message for this Georgia team as they are now the number one team again and in control of their own destiny to make the college football playoff? Well, I think it's a situation where it's just returning to work and, and not getting lost in being the number one team again, which – you know, Georgia benefits in the fact that they do, they've got experience at this now. You know, they are used to um, being that top team. And the message, even going back to the summer from Kirby Smart, was that we want to hunt. We do not want to be the hunted. And we haven't really seen anything this entire season that would tell you otherwise, that would tell you that's not the approach. Um, you know, Kirby pointed out that the offensive attack that they're going to face Saturday with Mississippi State, it's not the same thing they faced against Tennessee. But what I do think is sort of a shared trait is that the secondary comes into this game knowing they're going to be tested and they're going to be attacked. And I thought the Georgia secondary played outstanding against Tennessee. You have a true freshman, Malachi Starks, who winds up leading the team in tackles. Uh, the star, uh, uh, Javon Buller, winds up having two sacks. Uh, they, they just played an outstanding game. Keely Ringo has that interception. So they're coming off a very good performance, and I, I think they understand the challenge is going to come with playing an air raid offense. And, you know, as Auburn fans can speak to watching it last season when they made that comeback, it can kind of be death by a thousand paper cuts. And, you know, I think that the secondary especially understands they've got to be patient and understands they can't afford to come in thinking uh, that they can just kind of ease through this game and get a win. Um, so it's not going to be easy, especially being on the road, but I think Georgia really recognizes the task that's going to be at hand on Saturday night. With these three games upcoming at Mississippi State, at Kentucky, and versus Georgia Tech, is there any chance that uh, Georgia lo- loses focus and all at all and finds a way to at least make one of these games interesting or or even slip up? You know, I don't think so, and I think it's sort of a product of who they're playing. You know, I, I did circle this Mississippi State game before the season. As the game, I thought <laughs> could be the one that could be the upset that Georgia takes, and you know, just seeing how Mississippi State has played lately, I don't think that's going to be the case. You know, the way they played against Arkansas, and then as you guys mentioned, that Auburn game, um, I, I just don't see it. Kentucky, uh, Kentucky has really struggled uncharacteristically as far as running the ball. You know, I thought that with Chris Rodriguez, who has missed some time and has been banged up, that you know they would really kind of be setting the pace, and they haven't. Um, I think they should be in good shape. I do think that um, it does make it a little more difficult that those two games are going to be on the road. Um, but I, I think this team understands what's ahead and what's at stake. And the end of the day, the thing that Kirby Smart has repeated several times after games, and this is going back to the Oregon game, they know that they've got more talent on their side than the other team they're facing. At the end of the day, you know, unless you just – Go out there and turn the ball over three or four times. Most of the time, talent's going to get the upper hand. Well, Jordan, it was a conversation we were having before we we brought you on. Was before the season, I was talking about that Georgia Kentucky game being possibly the game to decide the SEC East, and now that's not even in the conversation. Of course, Kentucky's just had a bunch of struggles all season long. 
Yeah, you know, I, I was uh, had a hard time kind of putting my finger on Kentucky before the season, and I'm kind of proud of myself. I had them third behind Tennessee just because I thought Hendon Hooker and those guys, uh, albeit I did not think they would be the number one team when it came to the first playoff ranking, but I did think that they would be able to make strides. And, yeah, I, I got to say I am a little bit disappointed. And, you know, I, I, think, I think it's kind of funny on the Auburn side of things Mark Stoops was a name that seemed, you know, people kind of pushed around a little bit or at least talked about when it was becoming clear Brian Harson uh, was not long for this Auburn world. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that's cooled off. And uh, it's one of those situations where I think Mark Stoops in an interesting spot. He's outperformed what Kentucky's used to year to year. But, I mean, has he kind of plateaued? And, you know, that can be dangerous at any football program when it seems like you're not making further strides, especially with his convinced people are that Will Levis could be one of the top quarterbacks taken. So, yeah, I, I would say Kentucky's one of the more disappointing teams, I think, this season. And uh, I do know, though, that they'll they'll uh, have an upset on their minds when Georgia comes there next Saturday. We've got Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joining us here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. One more thing before we let you get out of here. The Georgia basketball team opened up with a 1-0 and record. They opened up with a 68-55 to victory over Western Carolina uh, the other night to start the season. What did you see from that and sort of just expectations moving forward for this Georgia basketball team? Yeah, I thought it was a solid game. You know, they have seven new players from uh, they picked up this offseason, six transfers and then a high school uh, four star and you know I thought they started the game really strong. They they played uh, pretty well offensively. Cario Aquindo, who uh, was really the bright spot uh, during last season, he put on a very good performance. Second half kind of uh, got a little sloppy. Uh, wound up having eleven turnovers in the second half and kind of lagged on defense against a Western Carolina team that can really shoot the three. So uh, on the whole, things to correct. They're going to get a big test on Friday. They play at Wake Forest. Um, I think this is a Georgia team that will take strides from last year, which it'd be pretty hard not to. Um, I think uh, realistically, if they can try to get around 500 overall and uh, you know at least win maybe four or five SEC games and, and just show, show strides in Mike White's first season, uh, I think that will be a very successful uh, debut for White and his staff. Jordan Hill of Dogs 2470 joins us every Wednesday here on On the Line. Man, we appreciate you and your time. Are you making the trip to Starkville on Saturday? I am. I am. I'll be uh, headed up. I'm actually going to stay in Tuscaloosa and save a little bit of money then drive down on I'm really sorry. Saturday. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll try not to, uh, you know, make any purchases or anything and, and maybe save my money outside the city. There you go. That's right. Well, man, we appreciate your time. Let everybody know before you go where they can keep up with all your great coverage for Dogs 247. Absolutely. Dogs247.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill or at Dogs247. So, yeah, we're, we're really getting in the thick of uh, football with Georgia trying to make this playoff run and then men's basketball starting up. So, busy time, but uh, no lack of content for sure. Man, we appreciate you coming on every single week. Have a safe trip, and uh, hopefully you make it out of Tuscaloosa alive. Yeah, fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next week. That is Jordan Hill of Dogs247. Again, he joins us every single Wednesday here on the show to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs, who now have, again, the number one football team in the country. Their basketball team also opened up with a 68-55 victory over Western Carolina. we got to get to our final break here in hour number one. We'll come back and wrap it up. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Hour number one will come to a close when we come back. You are on the line. 
on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Auburn up like a sports leader. Big thank you again to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He joins us every single Wednesday to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs and uh, what's going on over in Athens. Of course, they beat Tennessee on Saturday. He brought up a good point uh, about Georgia's dominance in that victory. The rain played a, a decent factor in that ball game I forgot that it started raining like late in that football game and I Mm -hmm. think that definitely uh hindered Tennessee a little bit throwing the ball around because that's what they do the daggum rain uh, and weather hindered what felt like every game in the country Mm -hmm. on Saturday except for that except for the somehow the game that we all thought could have been impacted did not seem to be Alabama Alabama, LSU LSU because it all cleared out before kickoff and we got a great game in it's, that one. And speaking of rain, it's looking like it's supposed to just be downpour for the next two days here in Auburn. I hope not. I hope somehow it avoids us or doesn't rain as much as they're I, calling for. You know what? I, I hope it is on Saturday. I think that would that would play to Auburn's strengths, actually. Yeah, but I'm not trying to go and stand in the rain, man. Well, I don't, Sit in the rain. I don't, I don't have to go... Oh yeah, you get to watch it here from the studio. Be in the studio. You're right. You're right. Well, look, I hope it doesn't rain because there's a lot going on in this Auburn area this weekend when it comes to football. Uh, Lee Scott, our gig, of course. We've got our semifinal playoff game tomorrow night against Valiant Cross. That'll be on AU 100 uh, at 6:30 kickoff at seven with myself and Carter Bird. Friday, Auburn High. They play Dothan over at Auburn High. They play its uh, broadcast 6:30 kickoff at seven on Wings 94.3. All these are our sister stations, of course. And then, of course, Saturday, Auburn plays Texas A&M Saturday night. And then you'll have After the Game, brought to you by Urgent Care Clinic with Carter Bird and our good buddy Jack Hutton. So there's a lot of football to be played, important football to be played this weekend in Auburn. The rain may put a, to use a really bad pun, damper on everything. And I hope that's not the case, especially uh, for the high school sports, because these are big playoff games for Auburn High and Lee Scott. It wasn't a bad pun until you like spelled out for everyone that it was a bad pun. Just making sure we're all on the same page. I mean, it was fine. It would have been. <laughs> it would have gone by without a hitch, and then I'm just making everybody aware. It's all right. I'm just making everybody aware. But no, Lee Scott again. Semifinal game supposed to be tomorrow night. I hope that's still the case. They play a very talented Valiant Cross team. Uh, we'll be on the call for that. And then Friday night, you can join Scott Bagwell, Rob Page, Jack Hudden on Wings 94.3 as Auburn High hosts Dothan for the quarterfinals. And then of course Auburn football plays A&M on Saturday. I just hope the rain holds off, man. It's been beautiful. Just hold off somehow that's all i can ask for hour number one officially in the books come back for a whole lot more coming up in hour number two the following is an auburn network production Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
you are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this beautiful afternoon on this Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. If you missed any of our number one, it was a good one. Be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast or at ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. You can find it commercial free right after the show so be sure you go and do that we talked a lot of college football playoff uh, with the second rankings coming out last night Uh, we also talked with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 he told us everything about the Georgia football program what's going on over there as they beat Tennessee this past weekend they're now the number one team in the college football playoff rankings and they go on the road to Starkville this weekend so that was an always uh, it always is a fun conversation but it was really good today as well so be sure to go and catch up if you missed any of our number one phone lines are wide open here in our number two we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 anything on your mind in the sports world anything that we are talking about that you want to jump in on and be a part of uh, we'd love for you to be on the line 334-321-1390 well as we get into our number two the Auburn coaching search has uh, gotten really interesting because different names continue to fly around and it seems like every single day somebody has a report or a rumor or something that one person is in the lead or has more interest than somebody else and that there may be mutual interest between one party and the other. I mean, it's it's flying around like crazy and the one thing that I can guarantee you is that the only two people that truly, truly, truly know What's happening with the Auburn coaching situation? It's President Roberts and Athletic Director John Cohen. I mean, those two guys have already proven. Well, I would say that it's John Cohen and Rich McGlint. I would say it's probably those two. I, they probably have a better grasp of it than Roberts does. Roberts is probably in the loop for sure. Right. You but, could say McGlynn maybe. He's but, probably in there too, yeah. I mean, Rich McGlynn's operating as John Cohen's right-hand man and is we know to this point has been making phone calls on behalf of John Cohen. That's fair. He's clearly in the loop, but yeah, no, I think it's an interesting time because there seems to be a consensus that Lane Kiffin is the first candidate. Hugh Freeze is now squarely in that first group after this past weekend. And it's a matter of if he can be signed off on, I'm not hearing a lot lot about Deion Sanders. I think that has definitely fizzled out a little bit. I know that there has been some sort of contact between Auburn and Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is people. Uh, But I don't think that one... I think there would have to be a few few no's before you get to Deion Sanders. And then, of course, the name that has really started to catch fire... Dan Lanning. That one's fascinating to me. Correct. That one's... You know why I love that one? Because one, he's a phenomenal recruiter. He's done a good job filling out his staff this year. He's done a good job addressing the needs of his program this year. They're, they right now, to me, look like the best team in the Pac-12. I know he issued his statement saying uh, like the grass isn't always greener and denying that he's has interest in the Auburn job. Okay, 
Sure. <laughs> sure, buddy. What's he supposed to say? Right, exactly. And I think that's what is forgotten when coaches like Lane Kiffin and Dan Landing make statements when they're asked, have you heard anything from the Auburn? Are you interested in the Auburn job? Like, what are they and supposed then, to say? And then when when you when you say that to somebody, a lot of times it's like, oh, he could have no commented that. And no, you really can't because a no comment is essentially used as an acknowledgement that you are interested in leaving uh and and i do i do think that there is some mutual interest there um that one is fascinating to me because i do think that there might be an aspect that that dan lanning might he might feel more at home down in the southeast um he's a name that's kind of been been in the clouds surrounding the Auburn job for over a year and I think that he's young he recruits Kirby Smart says he's the best recruiter he's ever worked with if you go look at his commit list on 247 it's impressive it's amazing it's really really impressive for, for the meteoric rise that he has had as an assistant coach that list is incredible. It really is. There's like six or seven five stars and then a boatload of four stars and just big names. Like, I mean, heck, he recruited Antonio Gibson to Memphis when he was there. You know, the commander's running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's names all over that list that you should recognize. That bodes well for him. And what, what's, what makes him the most interesting candidate to me at 35 years old, if you hit on Dan Lanny, if you hit a grand slam with him, he's your coach for two decades, if not longer. He could easily coach into his 60s. The question with Dan Landing, the question becomes, and I would really be interested to see what our listeners think, 334-321-1390, the question with if Auburn hires Dan Lanning, is that enough of a, quote, splash hire for Auburn fans it, it, to be excited about? It, it would they be excited be. about it? it dad gum should be. They should be, but would they be? Because we've heard from a lot of people, and I think they're they're we've right. From, that We've heard from one in particular. Right, but, but a lot of people have said Auburn is in a spot where they need to make a big hire. And I think that is the case because Auburn just doesn't get the home run sexy hire most of the time. And it seems like Auburn is in that situation where they need that. We're playing in a different ballgame right now. Correct. And the standard was set in the athletic director search where Chris Roberts went big game hunting. I mean, he went to Arkansas and he talked to Hunter Juracek, offered him over $2 million a year. He went to Miami. He talked to Radikovich down there. Those are two enormous athletic director names. And he's offering a lot of money. Now you're paying John Cohen, I believe, around $1.4 million, which is miles more than the last than you've ever paid an athletic director at Auburn. It's more than double. You went and got a sitting SEC athletic director, who, by the way, was very impressive in his opening press conference. I, I was impressed, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked a lot about that yesterday. And that sets a standard. 
that you're that you're willing to go spend money and make a significant move. And while Lane Kiffin is probably the biggest splash, there is there is something to be said for the fact that Lane Kiffin, he's not going to be your guy that's out there in public. He's not going to be saying War Eagle when he's getting interviewed on the sidelines. He's not going to be at at a bunch of public events. Hugh Freeze would be. I believe Dan Lanning would be. Hugh Freeze will do everything you ask him to. Because Hugh Freeze would crawl over broken glass for the Auburn job. And, and his statement after Liberty's win against Arkansas, to me, proved that. He was asked about the Auburn job. And he had a, this whole thing about, I don't know if Auburn wants me. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know if they if they really want me, but everywhere I've been, I've won. And the and the proof is in everywhere I've been, we have we have won games. And to me, in that moment, it's not that hard to be like, you know what? I'm not worried about the outside noise. I'm just here to celebrate with my guys and this big win. We got against the SEC team in Fayetteville. It's not hard to say that. But instead, it sounded like a... It, without coming out and directly saying it, I really want the Auburn job, was what was how I, I took the statement. Oh, he alluded to it, no doubt. I mean, he, he alluded to it. And that's why I think Hugh Freeze would be one of those guys. But again, with Dan Lanning's name becoming so popular, that is my question, is... Would Auburn fans be excited about Dan Landing being the head coach? Would that be big enough of a splash? Would that be big enough of a name for Auburn fans to be excited about the future of the football program? Because we know that John Cohen being hired as the athletic director, his number one priority, his only duty right now, is to hire a head football coach, and his entire tenure will be judged based off of who he hires as the Auburn head football coach. And so he's going to do it right, and he's going to put research and thought and whatever else into this to make sure that he hires the right guy for the job. And so I am confident that whoever it is, whether it's Lane Kiffin, whether it's Dan Lanning, whether they go out and get a name that nobody's even talking about, whoever it is, I'm going to have confidence because of how the the athletic director search went. I think the head coaching search will go somewhat similar. But my question is, if Auburn hires Dan Lanning, is that big enough for Auburn fans to be satisfied? Yeah. Um, should they should be satisfied? Be, should be, 100%. I do think another name that has appeared here recently is Mark Stoops. We talked about last week how we didn't understand why he, his name was just not being mentioned. I think that has picked up a little bit of momentum. Um, and I don't have a problem with it. I think it would be a great hire. I really do. You know do. me. I love it. I absolutely love it. I am so... The the Auburn fans that I have talked to, and when we have discussed Mark Stoops, I am baffled by the pushback against Mark Stoops. Auburn fans would not be excited about Mark Stoops being Which hired Which is here. so stupid. Stupid. I, I, I'm with you. I think, he, look, Mark Stoops is not the the sexy hire. Mark Stoops is not the breaking and news across coast-to-coast. Coast. Auburn hires Mark Stoops as what, their head coach. What he has done at Kentucky is maybe the second-best coaching job since Nick Saban has come to Alabama in the SEC. He took a 
Kentucky program that has been awful. He's taken them to now this year will be their seventh straight bowl game. They had two 10-win seasons in the history of their program before Mark Stoops for 100 years or however long, more than that. He has two of them. He has an eight-win season in which their quarterback tears his ACL in the first game of the year. And you know what? He daggum adapts. He figures it out. He takes his number one wide receiver, puts him at quarterback, and they go win eight games. Yeah. And, and they're a good team. That's why I love Mark Stoops. And I want to go back to something that Jordan Hill, we talked to him in the first hour of Dogs 247. He talked about, and I asked him about, you know, Kentucky not being what we thought they could be this year. And he had talked about how Mark Stoops and Kentucky maybe have plateaued a little bit and how maybe there's just not a whole lot more for him to do. I don't think that's on Mark Stoops. I'm not saying Jordan Hill's wrong. I think that's just Kentucky. I mean, you I agree. are limited. I agree. You are limited at the football program at the University of Kentucky, a basketball school, by the way. You are limited in what you are going to be able to do athletics-wise with football, NIL money, uh, just everything, facilities, recruiting. John Calipari said the quiet part out loud this summer, created that rift. All the more reason why Mark Stoops appears to want out right now. Also, if you want to cite his recruiting... Not being that great. Okay, he's recruiting to Lexington, Kentucky. He's he's recruit. That's that's not as sexy of a place to to recruit to as even Columbia, South Carolina. There's more talent in the Carolinas. He's having to recruit the Midwest more. It's, right. It's not. We're not talking about Athens. We're not talking about Gainesville. Heck, we're not talking about Nashville, Tennessee, or Knoxville. Those those schools have better access to to. I mean, even Vanderbilt has better access to go see the talent. Right. I mean, granted, they have their own issues with academics, but every other school in the SEC, you could make an argument, besides maybe Missouri, has better access to talent. And so, okay, if you want to knock him for that, I have talked to people who cover FSU. He was the D coordinator at FSU. They liked him a lot at FSU. They, they were happy with his recruiting there. They want him back as the head coach at FSU if Mike Norvell does not hack it there. And they should. And that should tell you why Auburn should be considering Mark Stoops. And think about his recruiting at Kentucky. Which direction are you supposed to go? If you go north, you're going into Ohio. You're not competing. You're not getting any guys there with Cincinnati, Ohio State, even Michigan now. You're not getting it. Penn State coming over. You're not getting any guys from Ohio if you're in Kentucky, right? What do you if you go south? You're going into the state of Tennessee where looks like Josh Heupel is going to be just fine at Tennessee. Where are you supposed to go? If you go into the Midwest, you're going into Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas, where you're still competing with other SEC schools. If you go the other way, you're looking at the Carolinas and the Virginias. Agreed. And the talent is just not there for an SEC team. I'm not Again, nothing against those types of states, but the talent is not there compared to what is in the South. That's why Kentucky, as a football program, is so limited. What he has done with the talent that he can get at Kentucky is is phenomenal. Now, airlift him and plop him in Auburn, Alabama at one of the 10 best jobs in college football. He's not going to recruit at a Kentucky level at Auburn. Am I do I am I saying he's going to recruit at the same level as Alabama and Georgia? No, not necessarily. But I'm also not going to like knock it until I see it. But 
I tell you what he does. He's taken that talent. He's produced a lot of NFL draft picks. He's won a lot of games at Kentucky. That has not happened before. I'm so happy you're with me on this. I'm so happy. It makes I've me. Been, I've been. I've been. I know. Stoops train. But I know. But now you got a little passion behind it. I like it. I, I have been on the Mark Stoops train for a long time. And again, I think this would be in that category for Auburn fans where. If Auburn came out tomorrow and they said, breaking news, Auburn hires Mark Stoops as its next football coach. It would be a good hire. It would be a great it may, hire. It, and Auburn fans would may try to poo-poo it because it's not Lane Kiffin. But that's what not, I'm saying. It's not Hugh Freeze. Is Auburn fans may not be super excited about it. They, I feel like, and if we're wrong, please let us know because I would love to hear, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. I think if Auburn were to hire Mark Stoops, most of the fan base would say, okay, he's a good coach. Let's see how it goes, right? Let's see what happens and see what he does here at Auburn. We'll get to the phone lines as McKenzie gets over there and answers the phone. I think that's what they would do. I think that's how they would handle it, but I don't know. And we're about to find out. Maybe we'll have somebody tell us in just a second, but Mark Stoops should be in this conversation for Auburn's next football coach. We got to get to our first break. We've gone long every segment today, but we've had good stuff to talk about. We got to get to our first break in hour number two. When we come back, we'll get to the phone lines, talking Auburn football, head coaching candidates. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. More of On the Line. We'll get to the phone lines when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Joseph, you're on the line. We appreciate you holding through the break, man. What you got? I just, a uh, long-time listener and the first-time caller, enjoy the show. But well, appreciate I wanted, that. I wanted to first say um, I am a Tennessee fan living in Auburn. Okay, so I okay. I know a good coaching search. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've been through a couple of them, huh? Yeah. yeah. But I want to say this. From from another fan's perspective, I do not want Auburn hiring Lane Kiffin. That scares me. We're yep. getting recruits out of Auburn right now that we normally don't get when Auburn's good as a Tennessee fan. Kiffin scares me. And I would, you know, and this is a hire Auburn has got to make or they could turn, you know, I – you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I don't want to see Auburn turn into a Tennessee where you know it's it's you get behind the eight ball, so to speak. Yeah, you y'all got to get Kiffin and Hugh Freeze because, and also your That's point, y'all talking, I you know talking about Stoops. While he is a great defensive mind, I just Auburn has standards. I think he's an eight and you know eight and four coach at Auburn. I think that's just his ceiling. So he is not going to return. His offense is is old, so to speak. What he's going to run. I mean, if 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 he's a defensive mind, couldn't he go get a different offensive coordinator? And also, are, are you saying that? I mean, he's basically an eight and five coach at Kentucky. So are you saying that right now, if he if you take the eight and five coach at Kentucky and put him at Auburn, he's still eight and five? Yeah, I, I mean, he hasn't. Real, I mean. I just I don't uh, like I just have a hard time with that with the facilities and the resources to football that Auburn has. Yeah, I mean, just having to compete against him every year. I mean, t- he is what he's done at Kentucky is impressive. I just think he his offensive hires have not been impressive. 
And I think he has you, – you look at their scheduling, and they don't schedule anybody out of conference that's worth a flip. They're playing Youngstown State, and they're beating up on the South Carolinas, Vanderbilt, and uh, Missouris of the world. They don't – and they've beaten – look, they've beaten Florida. I'll give them that, but Florida's down right now, so to speak. Correct. And I just don't think he can – his ceiling is not as high as maybe a – a Dion or you know a, a Lane Kiffin, but maybe agreed, floor, agreed, one hundred percent. The floor is 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 higher than you know. I think Dion may have the highest ceiling, but I think his floor it's it's riskier. And I don't know if Auburn's willing to pay that much money. Right again, right? No, I, I'm know. with you on that, and, and it's interesting to get a a non Auburn fans perspective on the coaching search because we haven't had a ton of that recently with everything going on. So it is really interesting to uh, to hear from a non Auburn fan looking from the outside in. You you mentioned the that Lane Kiffin recruits at a level that that would scare you at Auburn. That's all the more reason why a guy like Dan Lanning at Oregon is intriguing to me because he recruits better than Lane Kiffin does, at least at the high school level. Lane Kiffin's a daggum portal assassin, and that's how Uh he's built his program at Ole Miss. Dan Lanning would actually build that program through through high school recruiting, and I think he that's why I am very pro him because if Dan Lanning were to work out at Auburn – He's there for 20 years. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I just worry about Dan. I mean, I know he's been mentioned, but I saw he made a statement about the grass is greener in Oregon, and I just don't know. I know this is silly season, and, I mean, I lift the groomers and, you know, John Gruden rumors, but it. I just don't know how real – y'all know more than I do about it, but how realistic is he going to, you know, leave Oregon after one year to come coach at Auburn? I think he would do it just because of the step up of what Oregon is versus what Auburn is. And I, I think he's interested. I think everything that we've talked about, money, facilities, everything like that, would be I know, a big reason for him to come here. I know here. Oregon has all that, but he's he's also spent a ton of time in the Southeast here in his coaching uh-huh. career. He, Oregon's not in the Big Ten or the SEC, and they're kind of in this weird uh, kind of conference purgatory where they don't know what their future is. Mm-hmm. I could see Dan Lanning jumping to a top 10, top 15 caliber job in the SEC or or Big Ten to to the security of knowing he's going to be in what is going to become the big two conferences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a good point. Right. Well, hey, man, we appreciate the call. We appreciate you listening. All right, I appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Thanks, you too. We, that was, uh, uh, we had a caller, and yes, yeah, so we've got another caller on the line, but we only have about a minute before the break, and so to keep it, I, I want to make sure he has enough time to come on and talk. It's Kyle who is on the phone lines. Uh, we're going to hold him on through the break. We've got about a minute before we go to that break, but Kyle, if you'd hold on, we'll get to you on the other side. That way we've got time to hear from you, uh, talk with you a little bit, because I hate to bring you on for about 30 seconds and I have to cut you off, but uh, interesting thoughts from, again, a Tennessee fan living in Auburn uh, because we have not really heard anything from from people who are not Auburn fans talking about the coaching situation and he said that as a Tennessee fan Lane Kiffin to Auburn scares him because of what Lane Kiffin could do at Auburn he should Lane Kiffin is that is why Lane Kiffin seems to be the consensus number one candidate if he's winning 10 games at Ole Miss I mean 
who knows what he could do at Auburn. He could legitimately win championships at Auburn because of the difference in resources, facilities, everything he could possibly want. NIL. Which I it's think it's all bigger and better at Auburn. Which goes into that's the same argument you can make for Dan Lanning. It's the same argument you can make for Mark Stoops. Well, it's I mean, the same argument you Oregon, can make for Hugh Freeze. Oregon has Phil Knight, who floats everything out there on uh, in in Eugene. Well, which, maybe not NIL, but recruits. I mean, you're yeah, you you have better access to talent in at Auburn than you do Oregon for sure. Auburn has everything to be a successful program. We know this. We all know this. You've just got to find the guy to who, to fill the shoes and get it all done. Kyle, hold on. We're going to get to you on the other side of this break. We appreciate you calling in. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Let's get to the phone lines. We appreciate Kyle from Kentucky holding on uh, for a long time. We appreciate him uh, <laughs> calling in and, and holding through the break. 334-321-1390. Kyle from Kentucky, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Well, I Number one, I guess starting off, thanks for giving me more than 30 seconds. So thanks for going. Uh, yes, I, I wanted, <laughs> I definitely wanted to make sure we gave you longer than 30 seconds because that's what it well, was going to be. So we wanted to make sure you got your time. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I, I, I won't be too much longer than that, though, because I, I just got a few points. So, you know, I, I got a lot of friends that are Kentucky fans. I'm an Auburn fan, um, lifelong Auburn fan. So mm-hmm. as far as the stoops, uh, being a candidate, you know, I, I've seen, uh, I've seen the bad with Stoops just by the number of games, and I've seen the good. The good is he's he's stuck through, and what he what he's done at Kentucky is, you know, I, I, I think it's fair to say he's proved that you can, you know, it takes time to build a program. And Kentucky was at the lowest of lows then, mm-hmm. and um, but one thing I will say, I think, just in my opinion, and. I, for me, I, I'm all in on Lane Kiffin, and I, I don't know. I, I don't really have. It's hard for me to even pick a close number two right now. Um, now the Dan Lanning I, that has sparked my interest this week, but mm-hmm. I just think by seeing the style of offense that Stoops has had in previous years, um, you know, even good running backs coming through, um, I just don't know if that fit of what Auburn is looking for. Is um, I don't want to take any away from what Stoops has done, but I just don't know if that style is going to fit in at Auburn. And you all may think I'm wrong with that. I do think it would be a good hire. I don't agree it would be a great hire. That's fair. I do think it would be a good hire. Uh, so Stoops would be, like a, I don't know, he, he, he'd be a second or third pick, I would say, with like maybe 2A, 2B. I just. I don't know why Hugh Freeze. I just don't think Hugh Freeze is going to happen, and I could be completely wrong on that as well. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as that, I'm all in on Lane Kiffin, but I guess if this makes sense to you guys, I don't know if the Stoops style of offense is really I, – I just think I'm just looking for a whole different level of excitement, and I think um, an explosive offense with Lane Kiffin is just I, – I don't – you know, that that's what I would think he'd be looking for, but – 
Uh, so I'll, I'll take your guys' take on that. And also, yeah. one more thing before I jump off here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, yeah. Uh, what's what's the percentage you think Lane would come? And uh, and to kind of piggyback off of that, um, who do you honestly think would be a, a I guess a one A or a high two there? Um, I, I would say there, so. I would say chances he would come. It's I'm kind of fifty fifty right now, maybe fifty five forty five. I yeah. think I think a decent amount hinges on this game this weekend because I think if if Alabama just right. suffocates the life out of Ole Miss like they have a tendency to do, um, then maybe the thought creeps into Lane Kiffin's head that he can't compete for championships. He can't beat Alabama. He can't beat Nick Saban right. at Ole Miss, and maybe he starts looking for greener pastures. If he gets that win... And then if he makes a run potentially to the SEC championship game, I think you're probably more more likely to see him stay. I think that that's kind of how I view it. I think I think your your two A and two B right now have to be Hugh Freeze and Dan Lanning, just based on you. on, on kind of how I feel about it. Uh, but yep. my my question for you regarding Mark Stoops, yep. how much of his offense is a limitation? of the talent he's able to bring in the door by having to re- recruit the Midwest. It's almost kind of a Big Ten-ish feel to his offense. It, it totally is. Yeah. That, that is exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, you might get that hard-fought 21-10 to 10 game mm-hmm. or 14-5, to 14-6, uh, 14-3. Um, and that's just kind of the brand of that. But I will say this. Like, there's been certain red flags that have came up, and I know it's in a lot of programs. Number one, clock managing at the end of games. That was a big red flag a couple of years ago for Mark Stoops in some mm-hmm. big games. And that's not going to fly at Auburn. That's He'll fair. be out as quick as Harson. And another thing is uh, there's been a lot of disciplinary uh, a disciplinary action. And uh, it, it, you can just go back and look. And so I I don't know. I just I think that brand is not – I think as far as saying a good coach fit, I'm, I, I totally agree with that. But the style – if if he had more access, if he had more access to ath- to athletes and talent, could you see him going with a different style on offense? And is it a is it a Kentucky limiting factor as to why he's running the offense that he's running right now? It's fair to say that a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I believe it is. Which and, is why, um, which is why Mark Stoops as a hire would be considered sort of a gamble because you don't know enough. what he would do sure. at this level of a program with this level of talent, money, facilities, everything like that. Uh, but no, I definitely think that the the drawbacks of Mark Stoops, like you've talked about, Kyle, are yeah. are the offense that has been vanilla at times and some of those disciplinary things that you've talked about as well. So I, those are really two really really good points. It it does feel. Well, it feels it, like a, and uh, yeah, I, I will say one more thing before I jump here. Uh, I, I just started listening to you guys this week, and uh, y'all got a great show, great brand, and uh, I'll be calling in again soon. But uh, Lane Train and War Eagle, so. <laughs> well, man, we, we appreciate the we appreciate the kind words from Kyle from Kentucky. So we've had two uh, two people, one a Tennessee fan, an Auburn fan from Kentucky. So we do appreciate both of them calling in and, and speaking so about the nice it, words. I I agree with him about the style of offense at Kentucky, but but my, th- that brings me to my question of is that a limiting factor in terms of the talent they can bring in on the offensive side of the ball in Kentucky because they do have to recruit the Midwest 
more than you would at Auburn. Auburn, you're much better positioned to go get high-end talent. Can you get a different offensive mind calling the plays? Can you get a different offense? Can you have a different type of athlete on the field than you would at Kentucky? Very fair question, but I also think the pushback on that a little bit is Mark Stoops has been coaching football for a long time. He's been a head coach at one place, though. Correct. But I think for somebody like him who's been coaching for a long time, how easy would it be for him to just change everything that he's done? I mean, if he's a, if he's a defensive guy, I don't, I don't feel like that would be a, that difficult to go get a different offensive coordinator. And the, again, a that, play caller. that feeds all the way back into the original conversation we had when, when Harson was fired was the head coach, the next head coach at Auburn doesn't have to be a do-it-all one-man show. He needs to be able to go yeah. and find recruiters and coordinators that can help him call plays and be the defensive guy to where almost you're more of a CEO rather than the the play caller and the go-to guy and running everything on your own. That may be what Mark Stoops yeah. could be at Auburn versus somebody like Elaine Kiffin who is going to want to have their hands on some things. So uh, uh, we appreciate Kyle calling in. Those were great points about Mark Stoops, maybe some drawbacks on Mark Stoops because look, yeah. all of the coaching candidates for Auburn right now you can point to some positives and you can point to some negatives. And those are some of the negatives that have come up with Mark Stoops as his offensive scheme. And I I agree with some of his discipline stuff that have happened in the past. But your point is, what could he do at Auburn? Barring poaching a daggum Brian Kelly-esque or Lincoln Riley or Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, there's going to be a concern with whoever you bring in. Correct. Which is important to remember. And I think that's what, again, that's what Auburn fans have to realize. And we'll see where Auburn goes. But it's exciting that, for me, because I've been on the Mark Stoops train for a long time. And I'm very, very happy that his name is starting to catch on a little bit. I do believe that unquestionably Lane Kiffin is candidate oh, 100%. one. 100%. And to get to Kyle's point, I'm glad you brought that up. He asked who would be like a 1A, 1B. I think it's Lane Kiffin, who is no doubt about it, number one right now. I think it's probably Dan Lanning at number two that that one B if you will because of the momentum he's picking up because of the youngness because of his ties because of everything he's already done I think I think Dan Lanning is the the second call for Auburn if Lane Kiffin were to say no I think Dan Lanning is the next call for Auburn if Lane Kiffin says no in a percentage wise because Kyle brought that up as well I think the percentage of him wanting to come here you're looking at like 75%. The percentage of him actually coming here, I'm looking at 60-40 because of something that you brought up, Carter. If Ole Miss decides to keep winning games and they make it to the SEC championship game, possibly a college football playoff, that is going to hurt Auburn in hiring a new coach because they have got to get him in here the day after the Iron Bowl. We've talked about this already. That would really, really hurt Auburn in bringing in Lane Kiffin. Let's get back to the phone lines, though. 334-321-1390. We'll get to that in just a second. Steve, okay, there it is. I had to figure out who it was. You wrote it down and I forgot. I read it and just didn't, didn't trigger in my brain. We got Steve on the line. Welcome in. Hey, yeah, real quick, um, the thing that, you got to remember on this is that, that one A, one B, and one C is Lane Kiffin. That's fair. Yeah. Landing thing, yeah, the Dan Lanning thing will work if 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 possibly, but Auburn can swing big and go big because they actually have a viable, good. Though I don't want him here, option in Hugh Freeze. <laughs> right, I mean, he, 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 he is, is that he, backup, he, right? He's that backup he option. A, 
you have a you have a an eight as a date on Friday night already. So <laughs> yeah, freeze freeze is not saying no to Auburn. I promise you that. Right, right. So go find all the tens you know, and right now the two tens we know are Dan Landing and 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 Lane Kiffin, and see exactly what it's going to take, and don't settle for less. I mean, you already yeah. know as low the low as you're going to go is freeze. I mean, I'll say I do, I do not want the man to be our head coach. But he's a heck of a football coach. He is. Um, I, I think if the what he did is bad enough, but the way he got caught makes me think he's not that smart. So, and I also think you give I also think you give our rivals too much ammunition when he's the coach. And whether you want to believe it or not, we are surrounded and they attack us every day. They wake up every day. And their first thought is, how can we win and how can we stop Auburn from winning? That's the first things they wake up and do every day. Steve, two or three of them that do that. Steve, and, and if, so we, we need somebody to stand up each day and say, I don't care about that, and all I'm going to worry about is Auburn winning. And, that, and that's Kiffin. That's Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. It is. So, Steve, if you, are, if you are talking about swinging for the fences, at, and in your words, every 10 out there, where does a certain Fox Sports analyst, who's currently not coaching anymore after he he uh, his tenure in the NFL ended in Urban Meyer, where does he stack up on that list for you? I'm just curious. Well, there's tens and there's tens that put bunny rabbits in boiling water, and that's what he is. <laughs> and you don't want you, you don't want that man anywhere near your home, your house, or your family. But he'll he'll he, win he games. Made, hey, he'll win you some games uh, though. Yeah, yeah, but the 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 the, the, the damage that's going to come with it, no, no, that, no. I'm no, with you. Look, doesn't. look, I'm with you, man. I put Urban Meyer and Hugh Freeze in the same category. I, think, I really no. do. I put I them in the exact same category. No. Well, one of them's got three national championship rings, and the other. But I'm talking. Doesn't. I'm talking when when a guy that the, you hire the, who's going to bring wins and baggage. Other, the other has a. Copy of the blind side. I'm not talking resume. I'm talking baggage or who's going to win here. I put them in the same in the same boat. Yeah, but Myers 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 a pipe dream. You might as well try to go get you know. Well, you were you you were just saying swing for the fences, and that's (laughs) well, and that's defense right now. Lane Kiffin is not a pipe dream because I think we I think we can say with some sort of certainty if somebody would have been fired with cause in February, that Lane Kiffin would have been the head coach of Auburn for this season. I actually think if something had happened in February, you had a better chance of Hugh Freeze being so the too. head coach in February. I think so, too. I, 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 think, I, think, I think with all that was going on with Ole Miss, the loss of offensive coordinators, a weight, a weight coach, the law about contracts, the lack of attendance, season tickets were down, NIL, I think he would have come. Out the door faster than you would. You could have. You could have opened it. Very well could be that situation. Very well but could I'm, be. Well, I'm just telling you, the, the two tens that aren't crazy. The one that you're talking about in Fox is crazy and will eventually kill you in your sleep. So stay away from that one. I, I'm um, with you on that. Yeah, but that's, who's waiting for you to call? Yeah, well, look, we'll see how it goes, Steve. we got to get to a break in just a minute. We do appreciate you calling in, man. It's good to hear from you. That's Steve joining us here on On the Line, 334-321-1390. We've had some great calls here uh, to wrap up this segment. Uh, look, I-, I think that it is Lane Kiffin. I think it's Dan Lanning. Those are the two guys that Auburn's got to go after. I, I just, I just really a, do. I have a weird, funny feeling that at the last second, Urban Meyer could parachute into this thing. No. It's not happening. And I'm with I'm with Steve. I don't want Urban Meyer here at Auburn. And I don't want Hugh Freeze. How bad do you want to win? 
Not that bad. Not that well, bad. Not with him. I, you and I are in different boats. <laughs> because here's the thing, though, is Auburn can win without him. They don't need an Urban Meyer to win here. Yeah, and you can get somebody nobody, that can win to that level without everything that Urban Meyer did or brings. Nobody steps in immediately and has the same gravitas and command of the fact that he That's has fair. three national championships That's fair. as that name would. That's fair. Yeah. I just don't think it'll happen. And I don't, I don't, I don't want anybody like Urban Meyer or Hugh Freeze at Auburn. I, I'm, I'm right there with Steve. Well, I don't want either one of them here. You should... Be concerned then, because I think Hugh Freeze is pretty high up that list right now. Well, we'll see. I wasn't I wasn't high on Hugh Freeze the first time when you're talking about the February situation, because I'm with you. I think if Harson would have gotten fired then, Hugh Freeze would have been the next head football coach here. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. I think I think that's where Auburn was going to go. Not that Lane Kiffin wouldn't have come here, but I think they wanted Hugh Freeze if Harson were to be canned. So We'll see, man. It's it's just a fun conversation we get to have every single day. We'd love to hear from you if we get one more caller in before the end of the show. 334-321-1390. We'll get to our final break and wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line. It's been a great show here today. If you missed any of it, be sure to go and find the podcast. You can find it commercial-free right after the show today. Uh, Be sure you find that at ESPNAU.com. You can also listen to the show live every single day right there on ESPNAU.com if you're not able to turn it on on your radio. So it's been a great show. We really do appreciate everybody calling in. We've had some new callers today, some new listeners uh, with some kind words as well. So we do appreciate everybody calling in chiming in on this crazy Auburn head coaching search that it, it, the conversation changes every single day. I'm I'm still just sitting here trying to think of who would be swinging for the fences above Hugh Freeze that's out there. Yeah. I mean, I, and you're, I, in my mind, I've got Lanning, I've got Kiffin, but we know those. Dion, sure. But who who else would would be on that list? I mean, that's when you're talking about going after the likes of, uh, I mean, like Chip Kelly, maybe. And no, I don't know if you consider no, that a ten. I mean, no, you're go- but I'm I'm saying no, big names. I'm saying no, no, no. If you want to say no a hundred times, Urban Meyer's in that conversation. Urban Meyer is. I don't care if you consider him a ten. That is a bad hire for Auburn. It's bad. If Auburn goes that way, it's terrible. Comping Chip Kelly and Urban Meyer is insane. I'm not saying they're the same, but I'm saying you if you're trying category. if you're trying to deny it though, at a hundred times, Urban Meyer is a bad idea. Chip Kelly, I'm just throwing out names. I'm just the, throwing out the, names. The difference is national championships there, and that's why like you can at least point to Urban Meyer's won two national championships at two different. Er, he's won three national championships at two different schools. I know. I I, I agree. Chip Kelly's been to the playoff. No, he hasn't been to the playoff. He's been to the national championship game once. Yeah, and I think. Again, you're looking to to swing for the fences, look for that that ten out of ten name. I just don't know where you go for that, and if I don't it, think it, Auburn. If it was a decade ago, Chip Kelly, absolutely a hundred percent on board. But, right. but but I don't think that he's. I don't. I think don't he think is he is what he used to be. I agree. Just kind of spitballing some names here. We got about a minute and a half so we'll try to get to the phone lines really really quickly uh before we get out of here we got Dak joining us here on on the line Dak, you got about a minute man what you got oh i got you one name you hadn't thought about okay what's okay. that are right, you're swinging for the fences right right yeah. sean payton 
Sean oh Payton. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Out of right field. Okay, Sean I mean, Payton. I I'm, think Sean Payton's it, got his – I, I don't know. I mean, that's fascinating. Uh, You're I mean, right. I, mean, I, I have not thought about that. I think he's got his eyes set on uh, an NFL job that'll come open, I'm sure, somewhere. Well, <laughs> throw that money at him, baby. <laughs> that's hey man that's that you are 100 percent right that is wow. a name that we have not even thought about in my mind for sure that Dak, that's interesting Dak just threw me a 3-0 curveball and jelly legged the heck out of me because i did not see that come in get, get that rumor started i'm gonna start it today <laughs> all right Dak, you are in for the rumor on champagne we appreciate the call that's Dak joining us at the buzzer man that was with about the, the farthest name from where i thought we were gonna go that is a he from the opposite free throw line that just banged in right at the buzzer man that is that is uh i mean no I comment just, i don't know i don't know what to say that is two strike count i just got jelly legged and frozen yeah, because that's awesome. i was i was sitting on something else there that, that is bitch. awesome that's all i could say sean <laughs> payton wow okay hey Dak's trying to start it. We'll see how it goes. That's throw Sean amazing. Payton's name into the mix. We got another name to talk about. If you throw the bag at him, you never know what's going to happen. I, w- I, I honestly would have expected to hear John Gruden's name come out of his mouth before I expected <laughs> no, Sean Payton. No, not John Gruden. Oh, no, man. Oh, God. We got to get out of here, man. We, this, we're this we going off the rails. Dak, you threw us all off, but congratulations. That was a great phone call. That what? was amazing. That was awesome. Look, it's been a great show today. We've had great callers. It's a great conversation every single day here on on the line we appreciate you all listening go and find the podcast come back tomorrow we'll have the thursday edition of on the line more auburn football coaching talk it's all coming up tomorrow stay safe have a great night i will talk to you later